I think about that, and I think, you know what? Even though we had no idea what Lena was saying, her Heavenly Father knew exactly what she was saying. So that's, I think that's, that's, that's pretty cool. She'll probably grow up and be an amazing singer. So that'll be, that'll be cool. Hey, um, just a heads up, if you are visiting, um, uh, you should come back next week. <laughs> you should come back next week. I'm going to make all of you really, really mad this morning, okay? In fact, I even have, I've not only made myself mad once, I get to make myself mad twice. So um, I'm going to hate this sermon just as much as you're going to hate it, but just a heads up, you're probably going to hate it. And just a heads up that if you are in the middle of, of, of a deal that uh, we're going to talk about this morning, um, just know that we plan these series weeks and months in advance, okay? So um, I could never in my wildest imagine uh, align the stars and think of an individual or a group of individuals and plan a sermon and know that they're going to be there on that Sunday and all the stars would align and I would just, you know, I'm preaching with someone in mind. I'm not preaching with anybody in mind. I, 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 I preach uh, this to, to myself. And so, um, I hope it's helpful to you. It's, uh, it's difficult, um, but this is so necessary. As, as a church, we are no longer a new church. We are not a new church anymore. Um, we are an established church, and uh, one of the things, one of the primary things that a, you know, a, a, an established church uh, has to fight against is uh, division, and, uh, and, and, and inner bickering. And, and let me just say this. Um, there is not a, you know, any glaring bickering going on. There's, there is no, you know, disunity going on. I just know as, as we launch over the next couple months, we're launching a brand new campus and there's changes that are going to be making. Um, it is a prime opportunity for our enemy to step in and, and begin saying, well, why did they do that? And I don't like that and this and that and that and that and that. So I just want to head it off at the pass and, uh, and say, hey, um, if, there's, if there's conversations that need to be had, we can, we, you know, I want to ha have those and there's a proper way to go about that. So um, my goal is that we, the crossing, would fight for extraordinary unity. And we ought to fight for it because we're an established church and, and established churches, you, you just have to fight for unity. And it is so hard to remain outward focused and to continue to, to grow the people that are, that are in, inside the church and continue to have them grow and continue to have them outward focused and both of those going on at the same time. And, uh, and so we gotta fight for extraordinary unity. And as we talk about unity, there's several different paths that we could go down, but I'm going to go down a very specific path this morning. And it's one of the primary things that I think uh, begins to divide a church. And, uh, and so that we would have unity, that we would handle communication and miscommunication, potential conflict and real conflict with so much Jesus maturity, because that's what it's going to take, that drama never has a chance to start. That whenever situations arise or someone says something or someone does something and, and we kind of take offense to it or, or, you know, we think, was that directed towards me? And, or, you know, someone does something, it's like, man, I don't think they should have done that. Um, 
and, and all of a sudden you kind of start internalizing that and you start harboring that. Um, and, and, and it's direct communication, especially miscommunication, potential conflict. One of the things I, I talk to our staff about a lot is um, if you even see potential conflict, I want you to run towards it. I want you to do what's unnatural because the natural thing is, 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 is to run away and hope it goes away, kick it under the rug and just hope, no, you know, just hope that self arouses. No, if you see potential conflict, you actually run towards it because if you run towards it, the opportunity for that to, to be resolved with minimal drama is so much easier and so much better than if it turns into real conflict. Um, but even if it gets to real conflict, we would handle it in such a way with so much Jesus maturity that drama mm, never really gets off the ground. And here's kind of the scriptural uh, background to, to, to all of this, that, that as we live as Jesus followers, and if you're here this morning and you're not a Jesus follower, you get a pass on this. You, you, I, I think you should maybe look at some of the things, and I think it would be helpful for you, but you get a pass. Um, if you're here, you're a Jesus follower, you're watching, you're a Jesus follower, you're like, I've signed up, I'm, I'm following Jesus. You don't have a choice in this. Th- this is what we have been called to do, and, uh, and this is what it looks like to follow Jesus really, really well. Paul talks in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12, he says, since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, in other words, Because of the position that you have in Christ, because God loved you so much and paid for your sins and has given you a position as one of his children and has given you a position as holy, you must clothe yourselves. In other words, I want you to wear this all day, every day. I want you to put it on and I want you to wear it. it. It's a part of you. And, and this is your groove, this is your style, this, 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 is, this is who you are, this, this is the clothes that you wear. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. Mercy is different than grace. Grace is a, is a gift given to you that you don't deserve. Grace is given, a gift given to you that you don't deserve. Mercy is not giving you what you do deserve. There's a difference. So... <clears throat> Um, God didn't give us what we, what we deserved. We deserved the cross. God said, you know what? I'm not gonna give you what you deserve. I'm gonna take that on myself. You must clothe yourselves then with tender-hearted mercy, not giving people what you think they deserve. Kindness, that you would take your strength, that you would take your title, that you would take your power, that you would take your position and lend it to someone else. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The other thing that I would say about this morning is sometimes I get, you know, uh, criticized for not being real deep and not bringing a lot of meat. I'm going to give you more meat this morning that that this should last you six months, maybe even a year. Um, It's going to be a mouthful. You're going to have to chew on it for a while. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Make allowance for each other's faults. Um, Don't keep score. Don't don't keep track. Don't keep a record of wrong. Where have we heard that before? 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love keeps no record 
of wrong. Make allowance for. Love covers a multitude of sins. That's what this is. Make an allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Well, that, that offended me. So what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to hold on to that. Are you going to go talk to him? No. I'm just going to hold on to it and, be, and you're just going to be angry for the rest of your life? Probably. Okay. Okay, so make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. I would love for us to read all together this first sentence. Can you do that with me? I know it's going to be awful. Here we go. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Oh, that's, oh, Jesus following. Ooh. So I think Paul was like, yeah, they're going to not really like that very much. So I'm going to have to give him a reminder. So he says, remember, it's so interesting. The next thing is, remember, oh, yeah, I kind of forgot. Remember that the Lord forgave you. Oh, yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah, okay. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And instead of making them pay, you are going to cancel what it is they owe. You're going to cancel the debt. That's Jesus' definition of forgiveness. Above all, clothe yourselves. There it is again. I'm going to wear this all day, every day. This is my style. This is my groove. These are my clothes that I wear with love. Clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony, fighting for unity, fighting for harmony, fighting that we would be one. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Instead of holding on to anger, instead of living with that and, and, and not dealing with it appropriately with Jesus' maturity, instead of holding on to it, I am going to let the peace that comes from Christ rule in my heart. I'm going to allow it to overtake my heart because whatever's in my heart is going to start coming out. It's going to leak out of me. And so if I'm harboring anger in my heart, it's just going to leak out of me in, in, in my tone of voice, in my answers, and, it's, and it's, going to, it's going to leak out of me onto my spouse. It's going to leak out of me onto my children. It's going to leak out of me onto my coworkers and my neighbors. And all of a sudden, you're trying to make someone else pay for something that was done clear over here, and they don't have anything to do with it. So let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of, how many is this? One. As members of one body, one church, as members of one church, one body, you are called to live in peace. We're members of one body, and if that, if that body starts fighting against itself, and if there's internal fighting, if my, if my liver hates my spleen and starts attacking it, and then my kidneys are like, I hate the foot, and it's like, whoa, what in the world? And they're trying to hit my foot, and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm like, I can't dance very well. And it's like, how in the world could we possibly accomplish anything together? We can't, Right? It immobilizes us as a church and our mission of seeing people meet We can't even get along, but alone trying to accomplish something together. And 
If you're here and you're not a Jesus follower, I would imagine that's one of the reasons why you're not, because you watch us Jesus followers, and you're just like, oh my gosh. I mean, they, they don't handle things any better than anyone else. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. So there's kind of the background, but here's what we typically do. We typically create drama, and we create drama when we have an issue or there's tension with a someone or someones, a group of people, and instead of going and talking to, to the individual or the group of individuals, instead of going and talking to them, we talk all the way around them. I'm, I'm not going to talk to them. <laughs> I'm going to talk to my friends about them. That's what I'm going to do. Or... Even worse, we go to Facebook or social media, and then we air our grievances about specific individuals or groups of people on Facebook. This group did this to me or my family or whatever, and so I'm jumping on Facebook, and I'm going to, woo, I'm, all my friends that have friended me on Facebook, we're going to build an army. That's exactly what we do. We build an army of friends to validate us and make us feel better about ourselves. I'm just telling you, the, the minute you go to Facebook, when you talk around someone rather than to them, it creates instant drama. It, it puts people in, 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 in their feelings and making decisions based off feelings rather than facts. And our world make, is making almost all of our decisions based on emotion and feelings right now, instead of facts. And we're building an army around us. You just need to know that when we build an army of friends to validate us, this is actually a sign that you have some insecurities that need to be addressed. Like, I, I don't want to go and talk to the individual. Why don't you want to go talk to that individual? Because it's hard. Because it's so much easier to talk around them. So much easier. And then, you know, people come onto my side and it makes me feel good and validated. So there's some insecurities that I have. It's not maturity. It's insecurity. And this never, ever solves an issue, but always, always creates instant drama. And I'm just telling you, we have plenty of drama, and so much of it, so much of the drama doesn't have to take place. It, it doesn't have to exist. It could be squelched if we would do it Jesus' way. And the problem is, when we talk around someone or we put it on social media, we spin the conversation in our favor, don't we? We, we spin it. We, we, we leave out a little bit of context. Like, we're not going to share everything that was said, right? right? We kind of spin it in our favor and we spin it in our favor and we use a tone of voice that wasn't used in the conversation. Spouses, have you ever done this? 
Have you ever repeated back to your spouse something that they said, but you said it in a tone of voice they didn't say it in? And no elbows. I saw some elbows out there. Right? and, And so this is what we do. When we talk around someone, we talk around someone, you wouldn't believe what they said. And then you take a sound bite of one thing that they said without everything else that they said or the context in which they said it, and you put a little disrespectful bite on it, don't you? And it's, you should have heard it. You're like, nah, 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 nah. Well, then you are so validated in doing what it is you're going to do. It's what we do. So... <clears throat> The other thing that we do is we leave out everything else that they said. Everything else that was said, we leave that out because we only want three or four sound bites, maybe just two sound bites of something that was said, and we can peel that out of the context, and we can peel that out of the entire conversation, and I'm not interested in sharing the entire conversation because that doesn't serve me in building my army very well, and so I'm going to take some sound bites off of it, put some sass on it, and then I can build an army with that. And we create drama. Unnecessary drama. And we know this, but so many times we still go along with it. It's, it's just your side of the story, right? I mean, when you go around that person, you put it on Facebook, it's just your side of the story, and there's always another side to the story. You ever talk to someone, and, and, and you're, you're kind of like, oh, man, yeah, you're, you're so justified for being really upset and angry and none and none. And then, you, and then you hear a, the other side of the story, and you're like, oh, you know what? I, I think if those two people would actually just get in the same room, this could be resolved with no drama. See, there's another side to the story. And unfortunately, what happens is we taint other people's view of the person or group of people. You talk around that, group, that individual or those groups of individuals and you taint their view of them. And I don't think following Jesus, when Jesus says, I want you to love as I have loved you, I don't think he had that in mind. But Jesus did give us some specific instructions In Matthew 18, Jesus says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. I want you to go to that individual. I want you to put on your big boy pants and put on your big girl pants and go have a conversation with that individual, a group of individuals, and I want you to listen. I want you to to go, you know what, did I not, did I not understand you correctly? Did, did it, because this is how I heard it. Is that what you meant? And have a conversation right there. And because if that's done correctly, so many times, so many times, if we go and do that, so many times it's miscommunication or it's a blind spot that someone didn't see, there was an intention that they didn't intend for that at all, and you resolve that miscommunication, and guess what? Minimal drama. 
Minimal. Drama. One of the things I think we need to understand is there's layers of accountability. And people that talk to me are kind of like, I don't understand why you, you deal with different people different ways. So this answers that question. There's layers of accountability. Are they a Jesus follower or are they not? If they didn't even sign up to follow Jesus, I, I don't hold them accountable to a lot of things. Now, if someone isn't a you know, Jesus follower and, and they still say something that, that hurt me well, I, and I'm holding on to it, I, I still probably need to go and talk to that individual because I am following Jesus. But I'm not going to expect them to do some things that they didn't sign up for. Now, if they are a Jesus follower and they've gone public with their faith and they're like, I'm following Jesus, well, that, that's another higher level of accountability. Are they a Jesus follower and in a leadership role? Are they leading the life group? Are they leading the ministry? Well, then there's a, another layer of accountability. Are they an elder pastor? In the scripture, those two terms are, are the same term. Are they an elder pastor? Another level of, of accountability. And yet, um, even with this, and, 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 you know, whenever a pastor uh, does something or says something that's like, man, that's just way out, that's way out of line, and, you know, someone should go and talk. When you say someone should go and talk, Whoever is listening to that should say, you should go and talk to them about that. Um, now, if it's an accusation that is like, Woof, this, this is like disqualifying um, as, a, as, a, as an elder or pastor, um, then, you know, Paul says in 1 Timothy 5, 19, he's like, it, it needs to come with some weight. It, it needs to come with, with two or three witnesses because so many times um, people don't like these people. And it's any wonder after today's message, you're like, I'm going to knock Eric off <laughs> if I have a chance, um, making me angry. So, <clears throat> you know, uh, people want to knock them off. So they'll come up with an accusation. And Paul's just like, you know what? You need to validate it. Validate it with two or three witnesses of, yeah, that's actually going on. And this is what, what the deal is. All right? <clears throat> so uh, here's what you need to know. And this is hard. And I realize this is right up in your face. Um, I don't know how else to say it. Um, we create drama, and, and, and if you have a problem with someone, but you are unwilling to go and talk to that someone, you are a part of the problem. And I'm not saying they don't have a part of the problem. They very well may. But if you aren't willing to go and talk to them about it, but you're going to hold on, you're, you're, going to, you're going to hold an offense against them, you're going to hold something against them, and you're not going to have anything to do with them, and your, your conversations with them are going to be, you know, one or two words, that's it, and, a, you know, sound bites to them, um, but I'm not willing to go and talk to them, you're part of the problem too. It's not just them. That's Jesus following 101, 201, 301, and 401. Because what we do when we do that is we start keeping track and we start keeping score. 
And, and, and all of a sudden, we have no grace, we have no mercy, love doesn't cover a multitude of sin anymore. We, we start keeping track and keeping score. Everything that a person says or does now is filtered through suspicion, not trust. <laughs> no, no, everything they say, everything they do is now filtered through this very narrow, and I'm keeping track Run your marriage this way for a while. Mm, it's lovely. Through suspicion. We assume the worst. We don't believe the best. 1 Corinthians 13, 5, I believe. Verse 5. Love believes the best. That's what love does. We assume the worst. We don't believe the best. And love no longer covers a multitude of sin. We give no quarter. We give no grace. So you're like, well, Eric, what if, what if I went, but I don't feel like, I mean, there was just like, they just kind of bowed up, and they're like, well, it's your problem, not my problem. And, and it, you know, it, did, it didn't go well. Well, Jesus responds to that in Matthew 18, 16. He says, if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again. Why, Jesus? So that everyone, everything you say may be confirmed. So in other words, if you have some you know, witnesses with you, there can't be spin of he said, she said, of, well, this is how you said it. Well, no, that's not actually how you said it. And this is what you said. Well, that's not actually what they said because there's other Witnesses there, that you bring some other witnesses with you when you go back and talk to them, but you don't talk all the way around them. So, um, how do we resolve conflict and drama? If you have conflict with someone, you need to go and talk to that someone. If you don't know how to approach someone, and this happens a lot, it's like, man, I, I, I know, whoo, I need to go talk to them, but I don't know how to approach them, then go to a mentor who's objective, not subjective, objective, and won't take sides, like they're for both of you, not just one of you, and can give you solid advice as to how to approach this situation, this individual, this group of individuals. And you're not going to them to try and get them to take your side. You're going to them for advice on how to deal with a certain individual or situation. If someone comes to you and wants to talk about someone else, the first thing you should ask is, have you talked to them about this? Let me repeat that. If someone comes to you and wants to talk about someone else, the first thing you should ask is, have you talked to them about this? And if the answer is no, if, then don't talk to me. I don't want to hear it. If you haven't talked to them, don't talk to me. That's Jesus' maturity. That squelches drama. That protects and fights for unity. When that's happening inside of a church, that's fighting and protecting unity. All right, 
Don't start conflict and drama by oversharing what's been said in your life groups. Those must be a safe place. Sometimes I hear stories of something, and typically it, it's humor that was done in a, in a group, but it's humor from an individual that as I listen to it, I think they probably shared that in a humorous way, and it was vulnerable about them because they felt safe. When you take that and you share that outside of that, and that individual isn't there, if they were there and they looked at you like, how dare you share that, then you shouldn't share it. Those groups have got to be safe places. And I realize there's funny stuff that happens and, and vulnerable stuff that happens and keep it in the group. All right, resolving conflict and drama. Go through the proper layers of authority respectfully. And, and in this, we, I see this so, so much. Um, and, and because the school is such a big part of a lot of our lives, um, there's bound to be, you know, some types of conflict that you're going to run into as your kids are going through school. And, uh, and so if you have to deal with something, if you can deal with the individual, great. Um, if it's, a, you know, something that's going on with the leadership of, uh, uh, of the school, then you, there's layers of authority that you go to and you go through those layers. If it's a coach, you go to the coach. You go to this, you know, the athletic director. You go to the principal. You go to the superintendent. You go to the school board. There's layers of authority, and you work through those layers, and you do it respectfully. Why do you do it respectfully? Because that's Jesus' maturity. Resolving conflict and stopping drama takes Jesus' maturity. It's going to require that we put on our big boy and big girl pants. But this is what we are called to do as Jesus' followers. And in the church, this is how we fight for unity. You see, differences of opinion, they're inevitable. But division is always a choice. Differences of opinion, I mean, as Jesus followers, I would, I would hope we, we, we have, you know, we believe the same things on the hills we're going to die on. But as we get farther into the weeds, we're going to have disagreements about all kinds of stuff that's in the weeds that doesn't really matter and doesn't really affect our everyday lives, and that's okay. It's not okay when you are requiring someone else not only to agree with you on the hill you're going to die on, but to agree with you with everything that's down into the weeds. And if they don't, cancel them. The church is the originator and is the best at canceling people. Division is always a choice. We can live with one another with differences of opinion. We're going to land at different places. That's okay. But division? Division's always a choice. And the goal, we can't, we can't keep out of our, 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 
our line of sight, the goal is always, always a restored relationship. That tension is no longer tension. That division is no longer division. That, that, that it's good. The goal is always a restored relationship. So let me, let me close um, this morning with um, a prayer that came from Jesus that was a prayer for every single one of you sitting in here this morning and all of you watching online. This is unbelievable. Jesus says, I am praying, in John 17, verse 20, I am praying not only for these disciples and not only for you guys in the room, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's all of us here this morning, all of you watching online. This is what he prays. I pray, and I would encourage you to read the entire chapter 17 of John, the whole chapter is a prayer. It's unbelievable. I pray that they will all be, what's this word? One. Wow. Father, I, I'm praying that they would all be one, just as you and I are one, in the same way that Heavenly Father and Jesus are connected that the church would be one. Oh, man, Jesus, that, that's a big prayer. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. In other words, man, I tell you what, those Jesus people, they handle things in such extraordinary ways. I think there's something to their God. That they would experience such perfect unity that the world would know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Crossing, my goal, the leadership's goal is that this church would fight for unity. Over these next several months, there's going to be changes that are made. We're going to go to one service here, an 11 o'clock service. Um, there's stuff that we're, we're planning and, and, you know, are we going to get it all right? Probably not. Um, are there's going to be some things you're kind of like, why did they do that? Probably. Is there going to be some things like, I don't understand what in the world they were thinking? And... And if it rises to the point of, man, I should have a conversation, I'm giving you permission to have a conversation. Because as we do this, it is going to be prime soil for our enemy to try to divide us. That we would be conquered from within. So, may we fight for unity. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for courage because this is hard. This is maturity. This, you just can't stay an infant and do this. This is hard stuff. But this is what you've called us to. And so, God, I pray that you would help us. If there's individuals in the church that we need to have conversations with, I pray that you would give us the courage to do that. And I pray that the people would be receptive 
to that, that they would, they would look, and they would be humble about it. They would, they would look for the blind spots, and they would be appreciative of the conversation. God, when we're tempted to talk around someone or even tempted to push sin, oh, God, please remind us of this message, that we wouldn't do that. And Father, when someone comes to us and wants to talk about someone else, that we would say, whoa, 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 whoa. Have, have you had a conversation with him yet? God, give us the courage to say that. God, I pray that as a church, we would fight to protect the unity of this church so that we could see our mission accomplished of seeing people meet, follow, and love Jesus. We love you. Jesus, you know how much we need you. So I pray for the situations that are out there that I don't know anything about, God, and I don't know where this lands. So I pray that you'd give people wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen.